Vishnu, from the Lord and his associates, from Prartana by Srila Ladakam Das Thakur. He who brought the treasure of divine love and who was filled with compassion and mercy, where has such a personality as Srinivas Acharya gone? Where are my Sarupadamadar and Rupa Goswami? Where is Sanatan? Where is Raghunath Das, the savior of the fallen? Where did my Raghunath Bhatta and Gopal Bhatta? And where is Krishnadas Kaviraj? Where did Lord Goranga, the great dancer, suddenly go? I will smash my head against a rock and enter into fire. Where will I find Lord Goranga, the reservoir of all wonderful qualities? Being unable to attain the association of Lord Goranga, accompanied by all of these devotees, in whose association he performed his pastimes, Naratam Das simply weeps. So that is the lamentation in the mood of separation from Lord Chaitanya and his intimate associates like the six Goswamis and devotees like Srinivas Acharya and others. So today is the disappearance day of Srila Gaurakishore Dasa Babaji Maharaj. Babaji Maharaj is the spiritual master of His Divine Grace Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur Goswami Maharaj. And he was also the very close associate of Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur, whom he considered his Shiksha Guru. He appeared in 1838 in what is now. Uh, on the banks of the Padma River in present-day Bangladesh. But at that time, it was part of Bengal. There's East Bengal and West Bengal. So our Mayapur temple and the birthplace of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, the yoga peak, is situated in West Bengal, which is currently West Bengal, the state of West Bengal in India. And not far away from that is the border of Bangladesh. But there are many great Vaishnavas uh, who appeared in and had their pastimes in Bangladesh. So um, in those days, under the British Raj, it was simply Bengal, and uh, everyone was Bengali. And to this day, those people are also Bengalis although many are Muslims due to the current political situation. In the 1970s, early 19, late 60s, early 70s, um, what is now Bangladesh, formerly East Bengal, was known as East Pakistan. And then on the other side of India, you have West Pakistan, which is the current country of Pakistan. All of us part of India. But the British, on their way out, of their rule of India, divided India. So they created West Pakistan and East Pakistan, which is East Bengal, and now known as Bangladesh, as a sort of a parting kick to India, which they could no longer maintain uh, under the British Raj. And so India became independent. 
Then later, that East Pakistan wanted to form their own country and they became Bangladesh. And it is currently one of the poorest countries in the world. But Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur, he preached in Bangladesh also, had many big programs, and there are many Vaishnavas coming from those quarters. So Babaji Maharaj appeared in 1838. What is that, about 181 years ago or so? quite some time ago, and still we are celebrating his life and his disappearance because of, he is a great Vaishnava. So he was uh, born in a mercantile family, a Vaishya family, and his, he was known as Vangshidas, not to be confused with Vangshidas Bhattaji Maharaj. During his boyhood, his mother and father arranged for an early marriage. And he remained in household life until he was 29 years old. And then his wife passed away when he was a young man of 29, 30 years old or so. He worked as a broker in the grain business. And after his wife passed away, he left the business and he went to Vrindavan. And there he approached uh, Bhagavad Das Babaji who is the disciple of Jagannath Das Babaji. Jagannath Das Babaji is a very famous Vaishnava. And sometimes we see his picture on our altar. It's not currently on this altar. In the Pacific succession, you'll see Jagannath Das Babaji <coughs> on the other side of Bhaktivinoda Thakur. So he was previous Acharya. And one of his disciples, Bhagavad Das Babaji, who's a very famous devotee in his own right, um, gave to Gorakishore the Babaji dress, the Babaji Vesha. Babaji, they wear a white cloth only, knee length white cloth, and then Babaji means completely renounced from all social position standing and material activities. Srila Prabhupada only gave Babaji initiation to one devotee. He did that reluctantly. And that devotee was um, requested that Babaji initiation from Prabhupada because he was thought he was terminally ill. And so he just wanted to stay in Mayapur in a hut in Babaji dress and chant Hare Krishna to the end of his life. So he took Babaji from Srila Prabhupada, but he became restless and he left, and also he did not die of cancer like his mother was going to. So Prabhupada only did that reluctantly once and he did not do that again. And that is generally not followed in our part of the Sampradaya with Babaji dress. So Gorkishore Das Babaji, even though he was a young man, only 30 years old, he took Babaji and he would perform bhajan um, and travel from village to village in Vrindavan. And he did that for some 30 years. Um, only begging a little bhikshu from the householders 
from rice or chapati, eating very little, and mostly he was absorbed in solitary bhajan. And he became very famous amongst the Padamahamsa devotees in Braj and was recognized as a bhajananandi, a solitary worshiper. But generally, devotees will come under one of two classifications, the bhajananandi and the gostyanandi. The gostyanandi devotees are preachers. So in our Krishna consciousness movement, we are very much a gostyanandi category, preaching Krishna consciousness. But the bhajananandis, they simply perform their solitary bhajan. And such qualified devotees are very rare, actually. Bhakti, uh, Bhakti Sananda Saraswati has written, Dushtamana, Kimi Kishara Vaishnava. Dushtamana, you rascal mind. Kumi Kishara Vaishnava, what kind of devotee are you? Simply for uh, Pratishtari, uh, Niranjanagari, Harinama Ketava Ketava, Kaitava Kevala that you adopt this cheating path to pretend you're a great devotee doing some solitary bhajan just so that you can get some pratishta, some adoration from the foolish general people, from the public and advertise yourself as a great devotee but actually you're just a rascal chanting Hare Krishna in a solitary place pretending to be an advanced devotee and meanwhile meditating on material desires the Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati is very uncompromising in his pronouncements at times. And so was Bharti Shoridas Babaji, was also very uncompromising. We'll read more about that in a minute. Uh, so he was offered much honor and prestige, but he never even secretly endeavored, uh, endeavored for a drop of material sensuality. Oh, by the way, I should mention, the source of this material um, is authentic. Um, if you know, Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur had one publication called Sajana Toshini. That means for the satisfaction, Toshan, just like our Toshan, Kirtansa, that means satisfaction. Toshan Krishna, the satisfaction of Krishna. So, uh, Sajani, Jana means people, and Saj refers to Saj or Sadhu, devotees. So this publication, Sajana Toshini, for the satisfaction of the devotees, it was a periodical he published in the Gaudiya Math uh, for the devotees and for anyone else interested in the subject matter of Krishna consciousness. So he had written some articles called Amar Prabhu Katha. Amar means my, Prabhu means master. Amar Prabhu Katha. Katha means the pastimes or the stories. So these were stories uh, about the pastimes of Gorkashor Das Babaji. Amar Prabhu, my guru, my Prabhu. So these were published in the Sajana Toshini, uh, a series of articles. Later, they were compiled into a book, a biography of Gorkashor Das Babaji by the disciples of Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur. So, many of the, most of the things mentioned in here are Leela, 
Uh, these come from Bhakti Sanatha Saraswati Thakur's own pen, his own remembrances of his Guru Maharaj. And he was his only disciple. So in March 1894, um, Bhakti Vinod Thakur discovered the actual yoga peak or appearance place of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. There were some places in Nadia being advertised as the birthplace of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. But Bhaktivinoda Thakur did the research and got out all historical maps. And he was trying to find the actual birthplace because he's a great Vaishnava, so he's revealing to the world the uh, appearance place, the Janmasthan or Yoga Peak of Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And he actually discovered the yoga peak in, in Mayapur, uh, just down the road from our temple in Mayapur, this yoga peak. And so Babaji Maharaj was staying in Vrindavan, and then when the news came to him that they had discovered that Bhaktivinoda Thakur had revealed the yoga pita, then he went to uh, Mayapur to take shelter there of Navadvikdhan. So from this time, 1894, until he disappeared, which was in 1915, um, he stayed there in the Navadvik area, living in different holy villages, realizing them to be non-different from Vrindavan. He would gather dry food, dried foodstuffs from the householders of the holy Dham by begging them and he would offer them in his hands of the Lord. To cook, he would often collect dry wood from the pathways and wash discarded pots he found along the roadside near the Ganges. So the system was in those days, they would have an earthen pot and they would cook it at one time. And then it would be considered contaminated, and so it would be discarded. So such discarded clay pots, he would take one of those and cook it that. Very renounced. Uh, not to be imitated, by the way. To meet practical necessities such as clothing himself, he would go to the shore of the Ganges River and collect and wash the discarded cloth that had been used to cover the corpses in the burning grounds. So the system was they bring the bodies, the dead bodies, to the bank of the Ganga and then they burn them in funeral pyre but the bodies were covered by cloth and they would discard the cloth and then burn the bodies of the departed. That is the system. So he would take that discarded cloth and he would wear it. The cloth that had been used to uh, inter the dead bodies. <laughs> this is very renounced. In this way, he remained independent of others by using rejected items that served no purpose to anyone. And no one else would touch such things. Oh, that's the dead body cloth. <laughs> you know, those are the discarded pots. You don't touch that stuff. It's contaminated and pure. That wasn't a problem for him because he's unattached to any material conception. Bhaktivinoda Thakur used to say that Babaji Maharaj was a good example of Nidapeksha or total indifference to worldly existence. 
He often discussed the matchless renunciation, pure dedication, and spontaneous attachment to Krishna that Babaji Maharaj displayed. Sometimes Babaji Maharaj would visit Godrumadweep, where Bhaktivinoda Thakur spent his last days in retirement. Uh, Bhaktivinoda Thakur built a house there in Godrumadweep, which is directly behind our Mayapur temple. The Jalangi River, also known as the Sarasvati River, runs uh, along the back of our Mayapur property, and across the river is the house of Bhaktivinoda Thakur. And it was from that house that Bhaktivinoda Thakur had a vision, or a revelation, of the city of Mayapur, which is currently manifesting, and the Adbhuta Mandir, or the temple of, of the Vedic Planetarium, which is uh, supposed to be completed in less than three years from now, in 2022. So Bhaktivinoda Thakur had his house there and Babaji Maharaj would come and visit him. And Bhaktivinoda Thakur even built a little hut in one corner of his property. He had a garden there that was known as Swananda Sugara Kunja. And it was there that he daily would discourse on Srimad Bhagavatam and other topics about Bhakti. So Babaji Maharaj would come and listen to Bhaktivinoda Thakur's discourses on Srimad Bhagavatam. And it is said about Gorkishore Das Babaji Maharaj that he was illiterate. But even though he was illiterate, practically could not read or write, he was the uh, embodiment of the conclusion of all the revealed scriptures and all the truths of the revealed scriptures which we study to gain enlightenment. Uh, and to um, assist us and to strengthen our bhakti, to shore up our Krishna consciousness. He, he understood these things all within his heart. These things were all revealed to him within his heart, even though he was apparently illiterate. His entire wealth included a necklace of Tulsi beads and a set of Tulsi mala, that he kept in his hand for counting the Lord's names. He was also in possession of a few Bengali books, Nartam Das Thakur's Prartana, of which this song that we sang, Jai Nila Premadana, that's from the Prartana, and the Prema Bhakti Chandrika. And sometimes he wouldn't even wear the Tulsi beads around his neck, and he would be seen unclothed holding a torn knotted cloth in his hand for chanting, and he would utter harsh sounds in disgust for no apparent reason. This <laughs> is not the same as the homeless guys under the bridge. He was never eager to accept any manner of service from anyone. And anyone who saw him in his genuine state of renunciation would immediately Compare him to Raghunath Das Goswami. Raghunath Das Goswami, one of the six Goswamis of Vrindavan and a very intimate associate of Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, he ran away from home when he was very young to join Lord Chaitanya's movement, even though he had an extremely beautiful wife and his father and uncle were billionaires. 
and he had unlimited opulence. He walked away from all that, snuck away in the dead of night to join Chaitanya Mahaprabhu uh, in Jagannath Puri. And he was extremely renounced, uh, far more renounced than anyone. And it is said that the renunciation of Raghunath Das Goswami, explained in the Chaitanya Charitamrita, this renunciation is like the lines in stone. So you have stone, you carve some lines into the stone. So what is the quality of those lines in the stone? They do not change. They do not waver. They are fixed. They are permanent. Such was the renunciation of Srila Raghunath Das Goswami. So, Hare Krishna, well, so, Gorkishore Das Babaji's Maharaj's renunciation was compared to that of Raghunath Das Goswami, who was extremely renounced. Raghunath Das Goswami, <coughs> his father had sent him some money and a couple of servants to maintain him in Jagannath Puri. So, first, he was using that money and he was buying some boga. And he's making these nice feasts and inviting Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu to take lunch. But then he decided that this is no good, taking this money from my materialistic family. So he no longer would accept that money. And then they have these, in Jagannath Puri, traditionally they had these begging booths, where they would, it was like a food for life booth, where they would distribute free Jagannath Prashadam to uh, poor people. So he would beg a little bit of, um, take a little bit of prashad from these begging booths. So that's pretty renounced. But then he decided, no, 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 that's too much sense gratification. So they had one system where um, rice, that was prashad and rice and more dragonath that was not consumed, was thrown away. Just like sometimes we throw things in the compost container and it's taken away to the compost. Well, these, this rice was thrown to the cows. They were known as the cows from the Tainga district. And these cows, they would eat some of this rice, but it would become very decomposed and rotten. And at a certain point, they wouldn't take it anymore. It was just left lying on the ground. Raghunath Das Goswami would collect that rice and then he would wash it and wash out the rotten part and take the hard inner portion of the rice and he would accept that as his prashad. Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu heard about this and he was actually very pleased at the renunciation of Raghunath Das Goswami. So Lord Chaitanya came to visit him and said, Raghunath, I heard you are taking some very nice rice prashadam and you have not offered any to me. And Raghunath said, Oh my Lord, no, no, this is the rice that's thrown away and rotten and even the cows won't take it. And I've just washed it and cleaned it up and taken a little bit. And Lord Chaitanya forcibly took some from him and ate it. Um, so Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, who is Krishna himself, would take that rice from Raghunath Das Goswami and relish it as the uh, highest nectar.
So therefore, Dvorakishore Das Babaji Maharaj is compared to Raghunath Das Goswami. It is said that even sometimes he would, he had a skull, because you know they take bodies to the, to the um, bank of the Ganga to burn them. So he was living on the bank of the Ganga near the crematorium, and he would take his prashadam out of the skull that was left laying there, and he would use it as the bowl, <laughs> as his prashad bowl, his rice bowl. Because he was not existing on the material platform. He was Avaduta. And he would either stay near the crematorium or sometimes in the place where people pass stool or the tree on the bank of the Ganga. And he would stay there because he didn't want anyone to bother him. He was a very elevated Vaishnava. And he was very famous. And people would come to him. But he didn't want anyone to bother him. He didn't want any recognition or any fame. So he would stay near the latrine. And no one would want to come there because it's a very stinky place. A very unclean place. And so for him that was fine. And even sometimes there were some dogs that would come there. And he would feed the dogs off his plate. And they would eat off his plate. And he didn't even care. In the eyes of ordinary society, all this is very contaminated, unclean. But because he's Avadut, he would do that just to discourage people from bothering him. Because an ordinary person would go, oh, the dogs, the, the skull, the tree, come on. So in this way, he would discourage ordinary people from uh, trying to disturb him. One time there was one, a Zamandar, very powerful and wealthy landlord. He came to see Babaji Maharaj. People were always coming to see him. And bothered because he's a great sovereign. They want his association. But they always these people would always come with some motive. They would not come with a motive of pure bhakti. They want to get some material benediction. They have some material desires they want to fulfill. So he came and he said, Oh Babaji Maharaj, you are such a great devotee. Um, I consider you my guru. So just give me your order. I will follow any order you give. Because one is supposed to accept the order of the spiritual master as the life and soul. So whatever the spiritual master says, the disciple takes that. So Babaji Maharaj told him, All right, very good. You give up all your wealth and all your possessions, and you just stay here and live with me in the latrine on the bank of the Ganga with the skull and the little bit of rice and the dogs eating off his plate. Just stay here with me and chant Hare Krishna. So that Zamandar, his real motivation was revealed. He did not stay. He did not renounce. He quickly left and never returned. <laughs> because Babaji Maharaj understood the motivations of persons who were not pure devotees. Of course, he understood those who were pure devotees too. That's why he was associated with Bhakti Vinod Thakur. He was always able to expose the cheating tendencies lying within the heart of the imitationists. The imitationists are those who 
pretend to be great devotees, but actually have so many material desires they want to fulfill. They're just like Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati. Yushtamama Tumi Kishara Vaishnava. You're pretending to be a Vaishnava, but really you're just wanting fame and adoration in the name of Krishna consciousness. So he would expose people. He could scrutinizingly reveal the falsehood which they perpetrated in the names of the Lord's service and save others from the hands of insincerity. He said, many types of persons, clever, judicious, young, old, foolish, scholarly, and proud, came into contact with Srila Gorkishore, yet could not realize his real identity. This is the mystic opulence of the Lord's pure devotee. Hundreds came and consulted with Srila Gorkishore about their insignificant material desires. He would always give them suggestions which were in fact meant to deceive them. Innumerable men accepted the Babaji dress and pretended to be exalted devotees of the Lord. However, my master, Srila Gaurakishwara, never accepted a devious mode of life, as his sincerity and his activities were self-evident. His affectionate nature was matchless, and whenever he would obtain <clears throat> opulent offerings, he remained fixed in his renunciation. End of quote. That was written by Marcus Siddhanta Saraswati. He never displayed any distaste for his rivals, nor did he exhibit any special affection for those who were attached to him. He would, off, he would off, often say, I am not inimical or overly affectionate towards anyone. Everyone is worshipable by me. And Srila Prabhupada said a similar thing. And one time he was giving a, a discussion in Sweden to some university students, and he was explaining the Varnashram Dharma, the first class men, the brahmanas, who are spiritually realized. The second class, uh, the chatriyas, who follow the instructions of the brahmanas, and they are the leaders and the managers of society. And then the third class, the vaishyas, who are very expert in business and agriculture, and who are the economic engine of society. And then the fourth class of men, the shudras, who are the artisans and the tradesmen, and um, the musicians and artists and dancers and entertainers and etc. Athletes and others. The who nowadays are worshipped as the leading people in society, but actually are the fourth order. So Srila Prabhupada was explaining this whole system of Varna and Ashram, including the spiritual orders, um, the uh, Brahmachari Grihastha, Manaprasta, and Sannyas orders of life. And so one student posed a challenging question. Because university students, although Prabhupada said they are best customers, sometimes they're known to be very challenging and they are some many times the force of revolution and they bring down governments and they protest. Just like during the Vietnam War when we were young, the young people, especially the college students, were protesting the war that their parents were carrying out. 
And because of that protest, they actually brought about so much social change. And that was the time in which Srila Prabhupada was preaching the Hare Krishna movement and attracted so many young people who were feeling in a revolutionary mood and disturbed by the direction of society. So the student challenged Prabhupada, okay, so which class are you? He wanted to try to expose him as a proud person. Oh, I am first class. That's what he wanted to hear. And Srila Prabhupada said, I am the servant of all the other classes. Very humbly he said this. <clears throat> he said, I am the fifth class. I'm serving the other four classes. So that's very humble of him to say like that, but actually that Srila Prabhupada is serving the entire human society by uh, introducing Krishna consciousness, spiritual education for everyone. So in this way he's serving the entire human society. Ordinarily people may say, Madhava Seva, Madhava Seva. Service to man is service to God. That's what the uh, anthropologically, that's not the right word, uh, the, um, what do you call the persons who try to do good in society? What's the word? Altruist. Yeah, there's another word. Philanthropist, thank you. Appreciate that. The philanthropists, they want to do good for human society. So they may take some wealth and um, create schools and hospitals and social welfare programs to try to elevate people in their material situation. But that is compared to placing a band-aid on a boil. Now, boil is an infection that's inside the body. And in order to get relief from that condition, one has to cut out the infection. One doesn't simply cover it with a band-aid. So, the real disease of human society is spiritual ignorance. So the cure for that spiritual ignorance is not to open centers for the social upliftment of the poor, uh, or hospitals, or have programs like that. And people, that's considered to be materially pious activity. But it actually doesn't really benefit anyone. The real benefit um, is to cut out the boil. In other words, is to eradicate the ignorance, the spiritual ignorance of human society through spiritual enlightenment, through education and bhakti, teaching people that you're not this body, you're the spirit soul, the servant of Krishna. So that is what Srila Prabhupada is doing, and that is the mission of the Krishna consciousness movement. To inject spiritual knowledge, to give real understanding about our existential uh, conundrums, which are that we're suffering in these material bodies, birth, death, old age, and disease, and wandering from birth to birth to birth, lifetime after lifetime in different species of life, trying to foolishly enjoy sense gratification and never realizing who we really are, so not making real advancement. To become very rich and well-situated, that is not the real advancement of a human being. 
to become spiritually realized and understand that I am a servant of Krishna and to utilize all my energy in uh, perfecting my life through spiritual practice and spiritual understanding. This is the real solution to all the problems that are faced by human beings. So Srila Prabhupada, I am the servant of all the other classes, he said. And he also very cleverly defeated that student who wanted to chastise him and challenge him. Uh, he, by 1908, he had lost his vision, his eyesight, and so he stopped traveling and was right, residing in a bamboo hut in Navadri for performing a bhajan. So, Srila Bhakti Sanatha Saraswati asked him, please go to Calcutta for proper medical treatment. And Bhakti Manu Thakur also requested many times, please go. And Gorkashore Das Babaji said, I will never go to the world of Maya, Calcutta. <laughs> Any of you who have been to Calcutta, you know <laughs> what it is like. Uh, it is an ocean of humanity packed all uptight together. So, in the, in the Estimation of Babaji Maharaj, Kankara was no fit place for the devotee. Of course, we know that Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati, uh, after Babaji Maharaj passed away, he gave himself sannyas, and the first thing he did, same day, he went to Calcutta to begin preaching. He opened up his Gaudiamath temple in Bhagavazar, same day. So, even though you say this is a contradiction, but it is actually not, one who has spiritual vision can understand. And even though Babaji Maharaj was acting as renunciant, Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur was taking that renunciation to the next level to engage everyone in Krishna consciousness. And he preached all over India and established 64 temples there in Gaudiamath. And then, of course, he had as his disciple, our Srila Prabhupada, who preached all over the world on the order of Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur. Thus, pushing on the Krishna Consciousness Movement and fulfilling the prediction of Lord Chaitanya. Priti vichi yachi yaka nagara yam sarutakra One day, all over the surface of the world, in every town and village, the holy names of Krishna will be heard. This is going on now, all over the world. And Bhaktivinoda Thakur told him, but don't worry. I will send Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati, your servant, and he will remain there with you in Calcutta to get the eye operation. So there will be no inconvenience. But Babaji Maharaj won't accept service from anyone, even his own disciple. I will never accept his service. I will first drown myself in the Ganges River. If I drown myself, maybe I can take birth as a ghost. <laughs> Then he stood up and quickly ran towards the Saraswati or the Jalangi River, which flowed in front of Bhaktivinoda house. And Bhaktisanatha ran behind him, Please, 
we're going to see him again and again. Come back. But he disappeared and was not seen or heard from for 45 days. Then suddenly one day he arrived and said, By committing suicide, I will not attain to the lotus feet of Lord Krishna. Nevertheless, I cannot tolerate anyone directly serving me. So he came back and he explained, Okay, I decided not to commit suicide because I can't get Krishna that way. And although he was requested hundreds of times to accept medicine, he never consented. He always strictly followed a codicy, not even accepting water. And on days other than a codicy, he would sometimes eat mud from the bank of the river Ganges, or cracked rice with dried pepper soaked in Ganges water. Because his renunciation <coughs> was genuine, it gave pleasure to the Supreme Lord. So there's more, there's a lot more. And this is just a little glimpse, a little taste of this great Padmahamsa, Sri Lord Kishore Das Babaji Maharaj. And today is the Kadasi day, Uttanatha Takadasi, and it's his disappearance day. So we celebrate it by fasting till noon and fasting from grains and beans. Alone the Kadasi, he would not accept anything, not even one. Okay, thank you very much. Any questions or comments about this great personality, Srila Gorakishore Das Babaji Maharaj, who disappeared on this day on the lunar calendar in 1915, 104 years ago. I have quickly time passes. Anyone? Yes. Any idea what he might have been thinking? Oh, I think he's just doing his pastimes. He's a little bit humorous. I will take birth as a ghost. I will drown myself and take birth as a ghost. Then no one will bother me. But then he decided, no, I can't do that. I can't attain Krishna by taking birth as a ghost. Anyone else? Question? Comment? Realization? Yes. Oh, you're talking about Raghunath Das. Yeah. yeah. He took money from his family. Um, his family was very, very rich, and they were devotees in their own way. But Raghunath was only interested in pure devotional service, with no material motivation. And so at first he was taking that money and using it in Krishna's service to cook a feast for Lord Chaitanya. Pretty bona fide thing to do. How would you like to take some money from your family and cook a feast for Lord Chaitanya? Yes, that's very nice. You should do that. Give me $500 and I'll cook a feast for Lord Chaitanya and feed all the devotees. <laughs> you can do that. But Raghunath Das, he was on a very high level of realization and enunciation. So then he decided, I shouldn't take the money from anyone. I shouldn't take any help in from anyone. He was begging from the free food booth, the food for life booth. I shouldn't even take that. I shouldn't take anything. Let me just take the rice that the cows won't eat. That way I can eat something. In Vrindavan he would eat maybe a few drops of buttermilk or a pat of butter every other day. So renounced. That level of renunciation 
we cannot imagine, but not to be imitated either. So don't worry, you don't have to follow that path. You don't have to starve to death. You can go home and cook in your kitchen something nice and offer it to Krishna. That's all. Anyone else? Just, just a little bit on that, that, you know, like Sixto Swami's like, you know, from the spiritual world, there are devotees or very intimate associates of Krishna, and their example is just mind-blowing, actually, and, you know, very extreme things in a spiritual sense, so really not that we shouldn't like, try to compare ourselves to them. No, we can't compare ourselves. They would spend 24 hours a day or almost 24 hours a day, maybe napping a little bit, 45 minutes, an hour, hour or two. And they would spend the whole time hearing and chanting about Krishna and writing books. So if you can do that, then you can skip your prasana too. <laughs> you can spend all day chanting Hare Krishna and writing books. They were so renounced, just wearing only a loincloth, <coughs> and gave up. They were the Rupa Sanatana were really rich. They were super wealthy. They were the managers of the government of uh, Bengal, and when Rupa Goswami retired, he had like these uh, boatloads of gold coins. He was like a multi-millionaire. He gave it all up to uh, live under a different tree every night in Vrindavan, writing books about Krishna and meditating on Krishna's pastimes and discovering and excavating the holy places. And then they built temples to their their followers, their disciples. <clears throat> and that's being imitated. Certainly, certainly, certainly. You were next? Yeah. And the Gorisaris imitating his Oh, there's always imitators. Therefore, Bhakti Siddhanta said, Dushtamana Tumiki Shadow. What kind of devotee are you trying to imitate the great devotees just for adoration? Just to try to give a little respect, maybe get some money or enjoy some sense gratification. So they're always they're always fakers. Yes. That's right. Therefore, one requires a guru. Actually, renunciation means giving up activities based on sense gratification, and then tiaga means giving up the fruits. So that can be done in different positions. It is, because Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur, he went straight to the world of Maya Calcutta and began preaching. And then Srila Prabhupada renounced his family life, and he preached all over the world. So, Anasakta Sri Vishaya, Yatarmukta Yujitaha, Nirbanda Krishna Sambandi, Real renunciation means anasaktasya vishayana, not attached to sense gratification, but seeing everything in relation to Krishna and using those things which belong to Krishna in Krishna's service. And what is there that does not belong to Krishna? Everything belongs to God. 
He's the source of everything. He creates everything. He owns and controls everything. So everything belongs to God. Therefore, everything is meant to be offered to Him. That's Bhagavad Gita philosophy also. Everything is meant to be offered in sacrifice to the Lord. Otherwise, uh, your work causes reaction in this world. So work is there, but it's meant to be offered to Krishna. Okay? Sometimes practice that sacrifice according to don't even pass on the transition. Take take prasad and go out and preach so I distribute books. So that was just an enunciation of Goshjana. Yeah. That is our mission. Okay, take prasad, be Krishna conscious, and push on this movement. That is our mission. That we accept. That's what Srila Prabhupada has given us. So that's our path. Not to just go in a corner somewhere and chant Hare Krishna all day. Don't bother me. I can't clean the temple or do any service. I can't cook. I can't clean. I can't preach. I can't sweep. Uh, I can't do anything because I'm too busy chanting Hare Krishna. So, fortunately, we don't have anyone thinking like that here. <laughs> but these things go on. We have to introduce the correct understanding. All right, so we'll stop here a little past the time. And we'll see everyone at 11.30 for Prashadam. Srila Gaur Kishore Das Babaji Maharaj Ki. Yeah. Hare Krishna.